On today's episode, I'm going to show some tips and tricks on how to read a balance sheet. And I'm also going to take a look and explain what are the major components or the major items I'm looking at when looking at a company's balance sheet and doing my fundamental analysis. And if you're new to my channel, you might be asking, who the heck is this guy going to talk about balance sheet? Um, to be honest, probably for the past two, three years, I've looked at a balance sheet um, at least every other day. Um, so I've had a bit of experience, you can say, um, looking at these and understanding what I'm looking at. Um, if you are new to my channel, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I, I post a lot of fundamental analysis companies. So in today's episode, what I really want to do is pretty much show what I'm looking at when I'm doing my fundamental analysis. So like always, all of this that I'm going to say is just my opinions. I am by no means a professional, so none of this should be taken as advice. Make sure to talk to a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Now that we have that out the way, let's get started. So like I said, today's episode, I am going to be doing a quick review on the balance sheet and just some tips and tricks. Um, if you are new to my channel, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up and let me know in the comments how are you guys enjoying this. I am going to do this a series for the other other financial documents that I take a look at. And hopefully my main purpose is to reduce my videos, my fundamental analysis videos, because I do repeat a lot of things because I'm trying to explain what they mean. And I feel by doing this, I'll be able to cut back a bit on those explanations. And if people have questions, they can always come in here. Uh, so first, I do believe, uh, so like I mentioned, this is going to be a series. I'm going to do one for the income statement. I'm also going to do one for the cash flow statement. So make sure to let me know in the comments um, if you guys actually learned anything from it. So I do believe, though, the first thing before taking a look at any of this document, and I'm going to show this in all three on um, all three episodes of the series, is understanding what stage your business, uh, the business that I'm about to do a fundamental analysis is in. Because I do believe that this determines a lot of how I view the, the company's balance sheet and their income statement and their cash flow. So pretty much a business has the following the following cycles. It has the establishment cycle, and this is when things are starting up and they're getting ready. And you can see the growth is pretty linear. At some point, that linear growth starts to increase more exponentially. This is the growth state. And me as a long-term investor and my investment style, this is usually the state in the business where I'm really focused on. There's a second stage that I'm also focused on, and we'll talk, show you guys in a bit. But one thing to note is during this growth stage, especially when it's just coming out of establishment, um, the company right here might be growing its revenue super, super quick. But unfortunately, at some time here, it might be possible that they're not profitable. And during that time when they're not profitable, I tend to be a little more strict on the balance sheet right because it, it makes sense if they're not making money right now when i'm looking at that balance sheet i have to take to account that they are are not making money so they need a lot of cash at hands right now compared to the debt and one of my favorite examples is explaining it um as it, it, think about it as your own financial financial life let's say if i didn't have a job at, the, at this moment, the worst thing for me would be to go out and take a lot more debt. It would suck for me to go, for example, go get a car, go get a house mortgage with me collecting no income. So that's how I look at a, a company growth. It's me 
making sure that they're being smart with their money right now while they're waiting for that money to come back in now if a company is already making money that's a different story right so now let's say you have a good you're, you have a good historical uh, money coming in then i do believe having debt is not that bad of a deal right uh, again think about it I, I think about it in my own financial life if i i currently i'm currently an engineer i have um good compensation you could say so for me it's okay for me to take out a mortgage it's okay for me to go buy um take out a car loan for say because i have money coming in to be able to pay that huge amount of debt that i'm having because i'm able to provide it with the amount of income coming in so i do believe it is important to understand what stage of business is in to really understand how you should take a look at those financial documents after that growth they're what we call the maturity state and the maturity state it's when pretty much the company is is not growing that much uh, more it's pretty much flatlining um they're they're still selling crazy amount of products but they're just not seeing that growth they kind of hit uh they kind of hit a peak for me maturity companies are ones that i don't really don't really focus on then there's post maturity post maturity is it can go three ways the first way is a decline and one of the perfect examples for this right now that i can think of would be gamestop right so gamestop established it became a huge name started to grow then it started to it it started to slow down its growth and then when e-commerce and all that came out it started to decline obviously companies later on doesn't mean that a decline will always end bad it can it can change its route over there but it would then change to one of these routes so then it starts declining the other stage is steady state steady state is just continuing to be in that maturity state and it's not going anywhere it's not seeing any form of decline it's not form, seeing any form of growth the third state is renewal and this is when they release some form of new products and continue to see some growth and this is the second stage where i like to invest so for me growth is my favorite post maturity and renewal is my favorite and you might be like jose what's a perfect example of a post maturity renewal state right now for me the ones i can think of would be like microsoft with their clouding any big company from microsoft um google that have just started this whole clouding network and clouding infrastructure they were maturing for a few um and then with these new products they're releasing their growth has returned again so now they're in that renewal stage so these are two companies that i invest in a lot of people might be if they have seen my portfolio they might be like why does he have microsoft for example in his portfolio if if it's not a growth stock um, but to me it's more of it passed its maturity state and now it's in a post maturity within renewal so those are two stages all right so we're gonna take a look at a company today and the balance sheet now that we understand these types of of stages and these stages are important like i'm going to mention later on so we're going to take a look at apple and the best way and the best place to find uh, a company's balance sheet is to go to their investors website you can also go to sec.gov or you can use any other tools um, to help you out so today we're going to look at apple and here at apple when their investors relations uh, you can just scroll down and you'll find their quarterly earnings report they also have their annual report if you guys don't know the currently the quarterly report is reported every quarter and that's every three after every three months 
and that's usually called the 10q report then you have your annual report which is reported at the fourth quarter at the end of the fourth quarter of each year and it pretty much covers the whole year entirely so it's a super a super quarter it's a super report and you usually get a little more information here and that's called the 10k report one thing to note though is even though they say quarterly not all companies follow the same quarterly uh it's not like a calendar quarterly it's not for example the 2019 physical year for one company doesn't mean it starts in january and ends in in december some companies might start their physical year in june and end in the next june right so and end in may so these are physical years and physical quarters um usually quarters they're all report earnings around the same time but maybe one company at that day would be reporting quarter two earnings where another company would be reporting quarter three earnings just because it depends on where their physical year falls or or how they have their physical year doing so let's take a look at quarter three's most recent 10q report so when you open most recent 10q report um you get this pretty cool lengthy document um, and I'm going to talk about some of these in another episode today. We're just going to look at the balance sheet. Here you go and you look for part one and you go for the financial statements. Look for the financial statements. The first one is usually the income statement and some consolation on, on that income statement. The second thing is the one we're here to look at. And this is the balance sheet. And let me zoom in for you guys so you guys can understand. Um, so you guys can see a little better. So in the balance sheet, what we're pretty much seeing is two different things. It's called the assets. And assets, again, it, think about it in your everyday life. It's pretty much what you own. Then liabilities. Liabilities is your debt. Then you have something called shareholder equity. This is how much a shareholder truly owns. And the way to calculate shareholder equities is you would do your total assets minus your total liabilities. And if that's positive, the shareholder has positive equity. For example, let's say I have, uh, let's say my house is is owned at a hundred thousand dollars, and then I have ten thousand dollars in cash. That means I have a hundred and ten thousand dollars in assets. And now let's say I have a fifty thousand dollar mortgage on on that house. So I have fifty thousand dollars of liabilities, and let's say I also have ten thousand dollars in in credit card debt. So I have sixty thousand dollars in liabilities. I have $110,000 in in assets, $60,000 in liabilities. If we subtract this to this gives us $50,000 of equity. And that's what shareholder equity is. So now let's take a look at the assets. Both in the assets and in the liabilities, you have these they're broken down into two segments. They're called current and non-current. Let's take a look at current current assets. Current assets are assets that can be sold and liquidized within the next 12 months usually here you see cash or only short-term investments inventories money that is due with the company so something that uh, some form of asset that can be liquidized or turned into money very quickly non-current assets are assets that might take longer than 12 months to liquidize and this might be for example uh, 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 um, um, and this might be for example a home um in in my example right in the personal it's a home i might have a home but if i want to sell it depending on how the market is doing it might take me a long time to sell so it's not something i can go and liquidize pretty quickly so homes equipments might are considered non-current assets 
Then you have current liabilities. Very similar to current assets, current liabilities are liabilities that are due within the next 12 months. It's, it's debt that needs to be paid off within the next 12 months. Non-current liabilities is debt that does not have to be paid off, um, that needs to be paid off in 12 months or more. And, and that's an important thing to note, right? Be, and we'll mention that later on. But those are pretty much the two timeframes, non-current, less than 12 months, um, less, uh, more than 12 months, or current, which is less than 12 months. All right, so let's take a look at these assets. And most of them, um, to your surprise, they'll probably be very easy to understand just with the name and, and, and just with the name. So the first one is cash and cash equivalents. This is pretty much just what it means. Any form of cash that they have or something that results, that has very, very low risk that can be considered cash. So this might be, for example, a high yield savings account where there's really no risk in it and they can pull out pretty quickly. Next, we have current marketable securities. Current marketable securities might be short-term bonds. Bonds that have low risk, a little bit low risk, but they have a little bit higher reward than a typical, uh, a typical savings account. Next, you have accounts receivable. Accounts receivable is, let's say me as a business, if I sell a product to another business, usually when they build relationships, they don't build them right away. They send the products and they say, hey, you need to pay me within the next 30 days. So accounts receivable is that money they are due by their customers. And that's money that should be coming in within less than 12 months. Next, we have inventories. Inventories, pretty pretty self-explanatory. It's what kind of inventory they have. For If they were, for example, uh, uh, if they were, for example, Apple here, their inventories would include their app, um, their iMacs, their, their Macs, their iPhones, um, their watches. Some and inventories does not have to be complete. It can also be known as sometimes companies divide it and say raw materials. In inventories, raw material is just the pro the materials they need to create those products. Then you have vendors non-trade receivables, very similar to accounts receivables, and then you have other current assets. One thing, two things I want to mention here. First, inventories, inventories and accounts receivable can change throughout the quarter, right? For example, most companies that have sell products like Apple, their inventories and their accounts receivable tend to increase the quarter before Christmas, right? Because they're building up this inventory of all these products they're gonna sell during the holidays. So normally during that time, you see a huge gain in inventory compared to pretty much the previous quarter. Very similar with accounts receivable. Usually in quarters when they're selling more to their customers, you're gonna see a higher jump in accounts receivables. One thing I wanna mention is when we take a look at quarter at balance sheet, you're taking a look at that current quarter compared to the end of their last fiscal year. So right now we were quarter three of, of 2020, right? And that ended on June 27th. September 28th is the end of the physical year. Uh, September is the end of the physical year for Apple. So here we can say this is September 28th, 2019. So it's the, it was the end of their physical year of 2019. Or you can say it was the first day of their, of their, of their 2020 uh, physical year. So that's how they normally compare balance sheets. They take a look at how it was at the beginning on the first day that they started the year.
Next, we're going to take a look at liability. Uh, next, let's take a look at non-current assets. So marketable securities in non-current assets might be like a, a bond that might be have two years, three years of expiration. So it's due, it, it has more than 12 months before it can cash out. Properly plant and equipment, very self-explanatory. Other non-current assets, um, just anything else that they couldn't really fit in there. One other one that they don't mention here is Goodwill. And Goodwill is one I don't really take a look at. Goodwill is pretty much just a fake asset to me. The ones I normally take a look at are cash and cash equivalents and add that with marketable securities. That kind of gives me the amount of cash they have right now. And I think in current assets, that's pretty much the only one I'm really looking at. Uh, I'm also I, I tend to look at inventories and accounts receivables just to see how things compare, um, but not really. Uh, I, I don't really, really take a look on them. To me, the most important is definitely cash and cash equivalents. In non-current assets, again, I don't really take a look at much. Um, maybe property and plant and equipments I take a look at just to see if maybe they're buying something new. Usually if it jumps a lot, it's because they're opening a new plant. Um, they purchased something big. They made a new acquisition. Now let's take a And then that gives you a total asset. So total assets is when you add your current assets plus your non-current assets. Now let's take a look at current liabilities. Current liabilities, we have accounts payable. So accounts payable is money they owe to their providers. So very similar, it's the opposite of accounts receivable. So let's say Apple, maybe they might buy their chips from, I forget, maybe Qualcomm, I think they do, right? So when they buy their chips, they Qualcomm or whoever gives them their chips, um, gives them a 30 day to pay the bills. That's the accounts payable that they need to pay, bills they need to pay within the next 12 months. Other current liabilities here, you might have, um, if they might have some form of lease on some other buildings, you might see that here that they need to pay soon. Deferred revenue. This is one of my favorite things to look at. And deferred revenue, what I consider is pretty much a fake liability. So deferred revenue is when a company, for example, has a subscription service. And my perfect example is Netflix. You know, in Netflix, you pay you pay for a full year of Netflix. But you've only might have watched, you might have it's only the ninth month of your subscription. So you've paid for a full year, but Netflix has only given you nine months of service. The other three months that they owe you is considered deferred revenue because it's kind of considered a liability because at the end of the day, if they close down shop, it is possible that they might have to refund you back for them not being able to provide you with that with that service. So that's always considered deferred revenue. But usually at the companies I look at, deferred revenue is a fake liability. And I actually like seeing an increase of deferred revenue because it means a lot more people are joining into their subscription services. So seeing a growth there is pretty cool. Um, commercial paper and repurchase agreements. It's just any 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 commercial paper agreements. Thing. Again, very self-explanatory there. So that gives you, and then they have term debt. Debt is any loans that they might have within the next 12 months now if we take a look at non-current liabilities you have term debt which is just your your loans that are due more in more than 12 months from now and i do believe it's important just because a company has more debt than cash does not mean it's a bad thing right just if a company ever has more long-term de more debt than cash it just gives me a reason to take a look at that debt because then that term debt it you can look in 
you can look in the company's 10q report so here usually you can go you can just put senior on the on the 10q report and you can get that information so here you have their term debt and that's another thing you can whatever they use on their balance sheet just put that on the control f and they'll take you to where and you can understand more about it but look they have debt that's not due till 24 some debt that they don't have due till 2049 they have debt due 2025 to 2031 with very low interest rates. Another one due 2023 to 2050. It's insane how far it is. So if it's due within five or more years or, or further back to me, it, it, it tells me it's not a big deal because it's not really going to affect the cash right now, right? Because imagine someone having an, uh, a perfect example, your financial statement, let's say, you might have twenty thousand dollars in the cat uh, in the bank, right? But you might have a thirty-year mortgage that's three hundred thousand dollars, right? So if you look at it like that, it looks pretty bad. If you take a look at just twenty thousand dollars of cash and th- and three hundred thousand dollars of debt, and that that might look bad if you look at it that way. But then if you see, wait, it's three hundred thousand dollars due in thirty years. Now you understand. Oh, okay, it's not that bad of a thing. But if you have three hundred thousand dollars due in the next two years and you only have twenty thousand dollars in cash, then there's some some red flags thrown out there. So what am I now that we understand what those are? Let's what I'm what I take a look at. Like I mentioned, I'm very I'm very very focused on that cash and cash equivalents and marketable securities. And I'm also very focused on that term on that debt and loans that they owe within and loans that they own. I am extremely, extremely strict if a company is not making money right now. For example, if we took a look at the stages, if it's in the growth stage and it's not making money right now, I want to really make sure that this company has a lot more cash than it has debt. And if it does not, that debt better be due very, very far away. If a company is in post-maturity, then I'll be a lot more lenient because this means this company has been running its business for a long time. They have money coming in. So for me, it's okay for them to have a lot more debt than they do have cash because they have that current flow of incoming coming in. Um, so that's pretty much it. That's all I look at when I'm looking at a balance sheet. So that's it for today's episode. Uh, like I mentioned, I hope it provided you value. Um, if you guys want me to do one on the income statement on the cash flow, make sure to let me know on the comments below. Take care, guys. Have a good night and see you next time.